This episode is brought to you by FX's The Veil, starring Elizabeth Moss. FX's The Veil is an international spy thriller that follows two women as they play a deadly game of truth and lies on the road from Istanbul to Paris and London. One woman has a secret, and the other has a mission to reveal it before thousands of lives are lost. FX's The Veil, now streaming, only on Hulu. Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and... 6-1 since that matters. And what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble. With exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. Hi, you slops. This week we have a wonderful and exciting comedian guest. It's Caleb Harris! Oh yeah! Talk about hot takes. Talk about good conversation. Talk about quick wick. This this is one of the smartest people we've talked to in a very long time. I you was like, do any of those things with your mouth just now? Okay, way to go. We do. We have a wonderful conversation with him. It does stop with chubby chasers, and it does start with where he's from. Oh yeah, Meatball will have a, a full topographical interactive map. Like I don't know one of those... what was up with me. I really wanted to get to the bottom of that story. Yeah, uh, he was born somewhere, moved somewhere else, and then. Now he lives here. Well, and there it is. So, you know, <laughs> skip it. <laughs> Enjoy the show. Goodbye. Forever. Dog. When your first choice is a big old bus, just turn around and boom, you end up with us. Our number is 213-536-9180. Our email is sloppysecondspot at gmail.com. Now on with the show. Are you ready for some sloppy seconds, you stupid little fucks, you nasty little fucks, you dirty little fucks, you stupid little fucks? Ellie Kemper is the devil. Welcome to Sloppy Seconds with Big Dipper and Meatball. I'm Meatball and that's Big Dipper. And welcome back to Sloppy Seconds with Big Dipper and Meatball. Hello, everybody. How are we doing? Do you say that because she has red hair? Because that feels like a snap judgment for no apparent reason. No, I saw something today that she was like the high priestess of some sort of weird (gasps) KKK clan. And I think it may be all... I think it may be all made up and fictional, but I think it's funny to run with the joke and tell lies on our podcast. Honey, wow. it's not made up and fictional. The, 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 there, there are, there are like, especially I'm from Missouri. She's from St. Louis where this happened. There are like these old, like, uh, quote unquote traditional organizations that are, yeah, it's just like the KKK, uh, revealed and she was a KKK princess kind of. What? She was the wife. She was the wife of the KKK king that year. Is that wow. what that was? I think she just won. I thought she won a contest. You're, you're like uh, meatballs spreading really vicious lies. Meatballs like meatballs. Meatballs like she started a KKK chapter in the 1930s. No, think- She's <laughs> okay. Well, before we go anywhere, meatball, can you introduce our guest because we didn't even get a chance our to do that. Our guest is someone who I've wanted to have for a very long time. Uh, it's comedian Caleb Harris. Ah! Hi. Wow. I'm so gay to be here. Coming hot with the KKK trivia and a riff. Ah! <laughs> oh, oh no! Stop! Because you're actually not, good. Not the homosexuals doing the. I mean, come on, Caleb. It's Pride Month. Let's try to tone it down a little bit. But Keep here's my friendly. question: Have you ever seen the video of Jesse J riffing on the word "no"? No. Oh, I thought you were gonna riff it. N- no, no, I haven't. But <laughs> Jesse J, I feel like I've seen an awkward video of Jesse J. Is she really awkward in this one? No, she's, she's an fucking, awkward in all of them. No, she's got incredible. She's singing, incredible stage presence, bibbity bops, the Bob, the, the last ba- all Bobs, she, Big Dipper, BD. Fix yeah. your face when you fix your face when you talk to me. <laughs> I said, I said, is she awkward? And you said, no. You scowled at me. You got you so got- mad, babe. I stand Jesse J. We've talked about this <laughs> on the show. I stand Jesse J. I'm on your side. Price tag did what it needed to do. Wow. Wait, who re- who released this Ellie Kemper news? That's what I It was know. on Twitter. And then Twitter. it was on TikTok. And you know I live on TikTok. Oh my gosh! Everyone broke has on a Twitter.org. horrible pass, right? Also, also, what I also realized was that, like, she, no. she, I've never been problematic. What? You will never. I mean, people will try, and they will never get me. I've been perfect since birth. Perfect. People perfect. will also try. Super rich. Her parents like own some sort of bank or something, so she always plays these characters with like a dark past that she's trying to get away from. 
and it's like just it's her like, true life. Hello, art imitates life vibes. Come and on, vice versa. Come on, mama. Don't All right. start with me. Enough about wow. Ellie Kemper. Let's talk about you. Stand up's back. You're out here. You're doing it. You're telling jokes. What's yes. it like? You know what? I will say this. I am uh, doing a lot of old material. I feel zero pressure about stand up. I don't care. I will do, I'll do a new joke if it feels right. If it goes bad, I don't care. But here's what I'm not doing. I'm not going on stage and talking for 10 minutes about how weird it is to be doing stand up again. And and some people are. And I'm like, what are we doing with that? You know what I mean? Do you <laughs> feel the feeling even if you don't think it's worth talking about in your material? Of course, it's weird, and I'm not doing it. I'm 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 not doing an amazing job. I think I'm I'm doing okay, um, but I just I, the 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 impulse, and it's not just stand up. I don't, I'm not judging anyone. So everyone do what you need to do. It's a weird time, but everyone right. who's doing this, like I think people are doing a lot of performative. Like I don't even know how to talk to people anymore. It's like shut up, just go. <laughs> like, like just go do what you used to do. Stop doing this. I will say yes. On on Tuesday's episode of this very podcast that you are on, Uh-oh. Meatball Uh-oh. and I had like a lot of like actual like real conversation. And when listening back, I was like, this is fine. But I didn't think it was that fun as a podcast because I was like, we normally just do stuff as a goof and that we got a little too real about how we were like feeling about things. And I was like, this is a great conversation, a lot of good insight. But I'm like, this isn't what people come here for. And yeah. I don't think that's what people come to a stand up show for. Right. Yeah. That's the vibe well i will also tell you i have a lot of private conversations with my friends and family uh about how i'm feeling you know maybe it's a little weird to get back it's not the feeling i'm judging there is a very performative uh public facing aspect of being like i don't even know what i'm gonna do it i'm gonna stand in the corner at parties now it's like take a breath (laughs) get chill we're gonna be okay it's the performative awkwardness that i'm like we don't have to do that we can just it's been a hard year let's not make it worse yeah Yeah, most of us don't need to perform tv shows like i don't want to see people in masks i don't want to see how they're dealing with covid on television shows i'm trying to escape what happened to myself i'm trying to forget (laughs) it so the the last thing i want to do is like go to a comedy show to laugh and then just hear like I don't know what's going on. I'm sad inside. I'm going to kill my, like, I don't want that. Well, that's probably why Ellie Kemper, like, didn't do all of those, like, racist scripts that came across her desk because she was like, I want to escape what I'm used to. Oh, <laughs> I'm, my God. I'm trying to escape how I actually feel. I'm already making hateful comments about her. You're issuing takes. You're issuing takes. It's, yeah, a, it's what needs to be done. <laughs> all right. So let's so, talk about you, um, how you got into comedy. Because okay. you, speaking of dark past. Grew up in a religious family, and we were embedded in the church. And you're did that uh, mess you up? You're a professional Christian. Is that the vibe? Is that what happened? <laughs> I'm a professional Christian to this day. No, you know what's really sick? This is fucking disgusting. My family is. <laughs> my family is, and this is really telling about me. I mean, this is the kind of person you're dealing with. My family is really like spiritual, but not really that religious. Like, the, like we have some Christ believers. My mom believes is a Christian, but never took us to church. I insisted that I be put into the church because all my friends were doing it. So I brought myself into the church. Crazy, crazy thing to do. Um, But yes, it it was very traumatic. It was very strange. And I basically was like, I'm going to move away from here. I grew up in a small town in Missouri and I'm going to go to law school. And then... She's a lawyer. She does the law, babe. She's a barrister. You and Kim Kardashian. You better be my legal team. Kim would kill to have what I have. Uh, (laughs) In terms of the law, in terms of the law, the grasp on the law. No, I mean, I, yeah. So I was like studying sociopolitical communication in college. And then like my sophomore year, I started doing improv. And then I started doing my, um, some of my friends in the town where I went to college ran a burlesque show downtown. And they were like, we need someone to come do stand up. We'll pay you $20 to come try it. And they paid me twenty dollars, which was a lot of money at the time. To especially and more to just, than like, most stand up there. make of their first gigs. Truly, yeah. I mean, I couldn't believe I was getting paid for it. So I started doing stand up on those burlesque shows, and it was you know hacky, horrible shit that give I thought a, was brilliant. Give us an example. What was I doing? I was I was going like I was. I mean, one of my favorite bits at the time um, is something that I have now seen a lot of, and so I don't know. I don't know if I picked it up from somewhere else or what, but it's now I would never do this joke. It's so hack. But it was a true a true interaction I had with a girl I went to high school with um, who was super anti-abortion. And I would play out this conversation I had with her. And then I would say, um, 
you know, if uh, I'm, I'm pro-abortion because if my mom had had an abortion, I wouldn't have to be talking to you right now. And then I would, you know, mm. talk about all the reasons it would be great to be dead um, or never have born <laughs> even better. Um, and it was just like, yeah, it was it was like so like trying hard to like say something. It was like uh, it was just forced and stupid. And I thought it was genius. I thought I was George Carlin. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, do you have... Do you have, Meatball, I'm curious, do you have, well, question for both people on the panel, do you have a definition for hack? Because to me, it is no. always it is always up to whoever is being critical of the, oh, that's such a hack joke. Like, is there a real definition of what it means to be like a hacky joke? That's totally subjective, right? I think so. And I only turn it on myself. I'm never, I'm never sitting in the audience of a show and going, that person's a hack or that bit was hack. I'm... I, I will watch what other people are doing and I will go, oh, I didn't like that. So I shouldn't do it. It's never, it's, I'm never right, turning yeah. it on someone else. I think comics who run around doing that, there are a lot of like club comics right now who are bagging on uh, like internet people or people who got big on Twitter or TikTok or whatever. And I'm like, you guys are just sad. You don't want to do clubs. You wish you were getting other stuff and you're not. So you're turning on other comics and being mean to them. I, it's only against me. I, I decided that stuff for myself. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah that makes does perfect it, sense. Does it mean cheesy? Does it mean bad? Like, what what does hack mean? So for me, it means trite, overdone, uh, really easy, like super simple. Like anybody on the street can come up with the joke. Uh, the minute you get into it, people kind of know how it's going to end. Like, I to me, hack is a, mm. a million things, but it just comes down to like you are not working very hard at being a creative you're just doing the easiest thing you're just doing the easiest right. thing what's the equivalent of that in drag yeah. chap chaps stealing steal st- chaps wearing chaps <laughs> it truly is you're in a chap mama <laughs> chaps in a harness it's over the like the aerial versace wig yeah just to bump it i'm over it i don't want to see it I'm over it. List the queens you don't like, people. Get the bag off the TV. I'm not watching that. (laughs) Get the bag off the TV. I'm not watching that. But you you just mentioned um, people (laughs) getting mad about people, comedians getting um, big on, like, Twitter or over the internet. And I feel like the first time I saw you was, like, a Twitter video of you Mm -hmm, doing mm stand-up comedy with... what is that called? A video screen. And you were like giving a presentation. It was like the funniest thing I'd ever seen. So do you feel like people kind of come for you because you got big on Twitter or? Ooh, girl, I don't know. I mean, I'm sure they do. I'm sure they have their their private conversations. I'm not, I mean, here's the deal. I, I was doing, I had a career I liked before I got on the internet. I was screen testing for SNL before I got on the internet Ooh. and and I liked my career. So it's like, if people want to come for that, I to, I mean, I wish them well on that journey, but I... <laughs> The internet is valid, and the internet is a tough audience. So, like, I mean, if that's Arguably if that's your journey, the toughest, the toughest audience. Audience, because it's hard. Everyone has an opinion, and everyone is on the internet. And the thing you forget, the thing you forget, and I think this always happens in like when you're watching stand-up specials, and you're like, everyone in the audience is laughing, but you're sitting at home going like, "Ew, this is bad." Is because when you're in a room and a person is up on that stage and you feel the energy of everyone else, it's easier to get a laugh like that. I think it's arguably harder to get a laugh on the internet, harder to make something that people really connect to on the internet. There are obviously more tools. You can edit, you can do other things that you can't do as a live performer, but there are totally these different things. And like the leg up that people think you get from making internet content is the same leg up people get doing live shows because it's really hard to have someone just stare there and shake their head and be like i hate this when you're live and in person like that person yeah. really i mean some people do it meatball does well I and also I hate, I hate it no i don't i don't want to be a content creator like content creation is not actually that exciting to me i like i like live performance i like acting i like writing um but i i started doing it because i got that advice from somebody uh when i was when i was doing snl stuff one of the producers was like hey you should be putting online content out and I was like, dope, I'll do that if it'll get me closer to my goals. But I will say this, even though that's not what I want to do, content creators and internet comedians are perfectly valid. And also more like traditional quote unquote standups or comedians who, who put out maybe like a special every year, two years, three years or something like that. Their comedy is with you for a moment. You watch it. You don't watch it for a long time. Maybe you rewatch it. People who make internet content constantly, which I don't, I, I very infrequently put stuff out, but people who do, who put out videos every day and have huge followings, 
their comedy is part of people's every single day life. And so if you could just not be so cynical and step back for a second, I think there's a way that like, that's very cool. And it's very like, it's its own beautiful, like very powerful kind of cool thing. But I mean, like I said, I wish everybody well on their journey. And if, if, if coming for internet comedians is part of their journey, then I say, I say go nuts. <laughs> and you learned all of that from Jesus. From Jesus. Christ. Uh, G- Jesus, babe, Jesus. <laughs> Jesus was copying my notes, honey. <laughs> you say, you no, want to be I, a good person? Read my diary, baby. Read my diary, bitch. No, I mean, I, it's kind of hard to tell. Don't you think? I mean, did, did you guys grow up religious? Yeah, I sort of did. But my my parents let me do whatever. They let me do whatever. Yeah, I mean, mine no, was I, mean like I would a, go yeah. to church, but I would, like, skip it. I would be like, yeah, I'm going to go help out with, like, children's sermon and then just go, like, run around the church and do nothing. Yeah. I, it's, it's hard to separate. I I, I like – it pleases me to think I'm a good person. Yeah. Um, and I, I it's hard to separate. Like, is that because I grew up in a small town uh, that has very particular values? Is it because I was involved with the church even though it gave me some trauma? Is it not what I've turned out this way anyway? I think about that when I think about like having kids. I'm like, what do you do? How, what do you, how do you make sure your kids turn into good people? But I don't know. That, mm, it, it could be because of Jesus. I'm willing to accept that. <laughs> yeah, I have such like, I always get scared when I think about like church, organized religion. Like I always get scared because I feel like there's s- something that sticks out to me as like, oh, once you're there, you don't have a choice anymore and you can't just like do whatever you want. And I think for so many people, like a church, a synagogue, a place of worship, obviously like religion is trending in the world. Like people always are religious and love to do things standing behind a religious ideal. So it's not going anywhere. So people find community and find joy in it, even though it's linked to a lot of hate and like bigotry. So I'm always just so curious for people who like still have a good place in their heart uh, for like other religious people or people who sort of are from that world, even if they've moved away from it. Like that to me is such a fascinating, you don't feel that way, Meatball? Meatball. I don't know what you just said, but I do have a question. So we were talking about how you started comedy. Yeah. So I do understand (laughs) how you started comedy and you were doing the $20 show, but how did that start? Like, how did you end up in LA from that? Like how much work did you have to do in the stand-up scene to like get, you know, get the SNL screen tests and stuff like that? So, so I was doing, I was doing, uh, improv and those little shows in Springfield, Missouri, where I went to college and I started producing my own stuff and making my own shit. Um, and then I, I was going to move to New York. I, I, I lived in New York for two summers in college and I really loved Ooh. it. I was hanging out at the theaters there. Um, and then a bunch of my friends were like, Hey, we're going to move to Chicago when we graduate. And this was like right before graduation. And I was like, why? And they were like, there's a great <laughs> comedy scene. Yeah. <laughs> like not new york or la do you guys want to work or what um but they were like there's a great comedy scene there and i was like okay um well i want to you guys have a room in your place and i want to you know let's do it so i went to chicago as the best decision i ever made best comedy scene in the country i think um and yeah i just started like uh interning at a improv theater and doing characters and and weird little shows at like midnight in like attic and basement theaters and then I just kind of got lucky. I mean, I just really got lucky. I was like doing my characters and stuff. And I decided I was going to try for the SNL showcase, even though I didn't think I would get to the like final round. It's a really long process in Chicago. You do like a first round with like hundreds of people and then you get down to a second of like 40 and then the final one's 15 and Lauren and everybody come to town. Um, so I didn't think I would get that far. I was just like having fun. And then it just kind of, I just kind of got lucky. That's so cool. Why does Is Chicago it? I feel like... have. Go ahead. What? No, you I, go ahead. I, well, you said it's cool. I'm like, I, sometimes I just feel like it's like, I wish there was some big, like, you know, I want, I want it to be like a movie where I'm like, I was walking down the street and a man saw me and said, <laughs> you know what I mean? But it's like, it's like, I just kind of like, I just like you hustled and yeah. yeah. But I, I, mean, I, I, I appreciate I think it, those stories more so than I appreciate people that were just walking down the street and someone was like, oh, you're a model. Same. Let's make you a model. Because same. it's like, yeah. you had the talent and you worked your way up to it and it like, May not seem cool to you, but it's like cool to listen to someone's story who just actually worked hard and then is getting what they worked for. I also think a lot of people sit around going, I could do that. 
and then they spend their time yes. being critical of other people doing something and then they don't put in the work and then they don't attempt to do anything and then they just sit there on their own they just stew in that pile of I could <laughs> do that and it's that could cool be me to, right and it's cool to know that you know there are people out there who are like putting their mind to something and being like yeah this is what I want to do I, yeah, I will say that I absolutely – I busted my ass. I worked so fucking hard. I wrote like 50 characters a week at one point. I I, I worked extremely, extremely hard, but then I just got lucky. Like you you have to be ready obviously when the luck comes. Yeah. But yeah, it, you have to be ready when the luck comes. But if the luck doesn't come, it doesn't come. So it, in that way, it's kind of unpredictable. And I, I don't like when people make it seem like – um, I think some people talk about getting what they want and are like, oh, I just, I worked and worked and worked until it came. It's like, right. But then also someone took a chance on you or, you know, think, there are things you can't oh, control. Yeah, exactly. What but, were some of the venues in Chicago? Cause I'm from Chicago and, um, what were some of the venues that you performed at? Oh, like Lincoln log. Oh yeah. Lincoln I did. Lodge. No, that was, I like Lincoln Logs. I'm asking about the toy. Lincoln Logs. We're talking about, we're, talking, we're speaking of building architecture, babe. Um, when I first got there, it was a lot of improv theaters. It was like IO, doing stuff at like the crowd, uh, little little places like that. And then- Is the playground still a thing? The playground's a thing. I didn't spend much time there. I was, uh, I, I did like some indie shows there, but I didn't um, spend a ton of time at the playground. But then the cool, the, to me, I always, when I got to Chicago, I was like, I want to be one of the comics who gets booked on like, Chicago underground comedy at the beat kitchen. Um, the beat kitchen. Oh, and, and, and the, anything at the hideout, any comedy show beat, at the hideout. Wait, the beat kitchen. Steamworks. The- <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I was, I was, uh, I was fucking guys in Steamworks while running my set. The beat go, go, kitchen go, 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 go. and the hideout are similarly set up. And like, there's like the front area, which is like bar slash restaurant. And then the theater in the back. Yeah. And there's also an upstairs at the beat kitchen as well. Oh my God. Yeah, those venues. But those venues the were like, like? It's the kitchen. It is B. It's B. It's B. The kitchen's B. It's gorgeous. So Beautiful. how did you go from Chicago to LA? <laughs> when was the Meatball big move? Really wants to understand. I want to know how you moved. <laughs> here. I'm trying to figure out how you keep moving. <laughs> baby, baby, I, I was in Chicago. Okay, I was in Chicago. I, uh, to SNL didn't get hired. They hired someone else. Ooh. Um, Ooh. Who? Who? And then name. Name well, names. Well, he got hired and then didn't make it to the show. What? That was the, the, the year I the year I auditioned was the year they hired the guy that they fired like two weeks later. Um, so that happened, oh, and then because of the Twitter thing. Uh huh. And then uh-huh. I started doing videos and stuff, and then yeah, I just kind of was like, I think it's time to move. Um, and then I the pandemic happened, and I was like, well, I already decided I was going to move. So I moved during the pandemic to L.A. Oh, you did? Oh, so you're fresh to L.A. I've been here for almost a year now. Wow. But, but wow. just, you know, sitting in my house. So I'm still, I'm like, this This new vaccine life is very, um, I'm, I'm out doing stuff. I'm seeing people. I'm doing things now, which is Yeah, nice. give us a type five on uh, how awkward it is to be out in the world. No, I'm just kidding. Yeah, oh, no, we're, we're, I don't know how to talk. <laughs> we're going to take a quick break and be right back. Eating better is easy with Factors Delicious ready-to-eat meals. Every fresh, never-frozen meal is chef-crafted, dietitian-approved, and ready to eat in just two minutes. You'll have over 35 different options to choose from every week, including Calorie Smart, Protein Plus, and Keto. Also, there are more than 60 add-ons to help you stay fueled up and feeling good all day long. When my fridge is stocked with Factor meals, I'm like... Oh, baby, I don't have to think about this. Mm -hmm. Like, it is so nice. The combinations are so good. I am a meat eater, but the vegetable options, there are so many. Like, I remember I had like a, it was like a mushroom with pasta and like a cauliflower rice. And I was like, the mushroom is filling. Like, there's plenty of uh, portion. There's plenty of vegetable and there's plenty of flavor. And I am usually sort of not a microwave person. Mm -hmm. Very cool. 
that this quality of food can just be heated up in the microwave. And so fast. I also love it because I am a, a very much into ordering delivery. I and know. now having all the food there, I can kind of make, pick what I want and it's ready in two minutes. And I don't have to wait an hour for stuff to get delivered. And these are way healthier options than ordering delivery. Completely. And when they have multiple things in them, you know, sometimes it's like, oh, if I cook for myself, all I'm going to eat is the biggest bowl of pasta you've ever seen in your life. But this oh, is yeah. like, you get a little pasta and the chicken and a vegetable all in one dish. Looking for gourmet meals try meals that feature premium ingredients like filet mignon shrimp truffle butter broccolini and asparagus and factor meals eliminate the hassle of prepping cooking or cleaning up all you got to do is heat up and savor the good stuff customize your weekly meals with the flexibility to get as much or as little as you need pause to reschedule deliveries that suit your lifestyle and we're celebrating earth day all month long with factor look out for the earth month eats badge on the menu items for their lowest carbon footprint meals head to factormeals.com slash sloppy seconds 50 and use code sloppy seconds 50 to get 50 percent off your first box plus 20% off your next box. That's code sloppy seconds 50 at factormeals.com slash sloppy seconds 50 to get 50% off your first box plus 20% off your next box while your subscription is active. That's a sleigh, baby. Okay, we are back. And we are back. So you spent a lot of time in Chicago, I heard. Uh, do you know the musical Wicked? I'm familiar with it. Have you ever seen it? No. Okay, never mind that. You're mad. No, you're mad at me. What? Gravity? You want to talk about? No. You want to talk about song Gravity? You want to talk about L? L? Whatever her it's name is? L? Alphaba. Gravity. It's a song Defying about Gravity. You want to do that? Thank I'll do whatever. You. Yes, that's She's all. She's got I the wanted. riffs, though. B. Thank you, so. You, you better, you better be careful. She's got the riffs. Do you need to so really when watch? When are you it? and Meg Stalter gonna get married? Bro, I will fucking. I'll marry Meg. I'll marry Meg. I'll marry Grace Kuhnsman, I'll marry Holmes Holmes, I'll marry uh, any of the Chicago, any of the Chicago comedy people you can think of, I'll marry. There is such like a tight, like, there, there's something about doing that like independent hustly work, whether it's like people who do like the avant-garde dance scene or the comedy scene or like the DJ scene or like whatever. There, Chicago has a way of like, really creating a tight knit community. And I find that like across, you know, disciplines, I think part of it is for six months out of the year, in order to do the thing you have to do, you have to trudge through the snow. And so people are like, Oh, bitch, you came out to Coles on a Monday night to do your little five minute set or whatever. If that open mic is still going on, uh, <laughs> they really form that bond because every, I'm still like such good friends with all of, you know, the people that I started like performing with in Chicago. There's something about, about the city and the way the culture is around around that it's the best i mean it's the best place it's the best place to to learn also and like figure out i mean i can only speak for comedy because that's obviously what i was doing there but um i think also it's that the like industry technical industry formal industry is like a necessary poison it will give you a career and there are cool parts of it but it doesn't exist very much in chicago and so it it doesn't you know i feel like my friends who went to new york and la right away to do comedy were more like um immediately thinking of industry showcases and managers and agents and things. I didn't even know what a fucking manager was. I didn't know what agents did for a long time. And so you just go to Chicago and you're like, I'm going to learn how to do the least marketable thing of all time, long form improv. And there's no money in it. (laughs) And, and you get good at, you know, you get quick, you get good at listening. You figure out like a little bit of your own voice and what you like to do on stage and what you don't like. And, it's all for no money and it's with a bunch of people who mostly don't have reps and aren't on TV or in movies or anything. And so I feel like it's just like we are truly here to enjoy each other and make shit. And then once you kind of have that like uh, resolve and understanding of yourself and what you want to make, then it's not so hard to go to New York or L.A. and like take meetings and, and pitch things and blah, 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 because you have that like inner like kind of strength of like, I know what I like about this and I know that this can be just good and fun, you know? Right. You're like, yeah. I stood up in a room and I did this for three people and we all loved it. I know it's good. It will also kill in front of a hundred people. 
Uh, And I feel confident. Yeah, I think that's great. I feel like it's the same way in Chicago for drag. Like, they have some of the most incredible drag queens Uh, because there's not a bunch of kind there's not a bunch of drag queens who are just like fighting to get on tv they're like literally just working to become better drag queens and get shows and stuff on their own and it's doing like, i'm gonna move to la i'm gonna get on rupaul's drag race i don't know how to paint my eyebrows but i'm a star <laughs> no right. it's like, not even drag race i'm gonna get on tv as a drag queen no matter yeah. what oof and and they're all you know doing tv only likes ugly drag queens sorry what were you gonna say oh that's interesting I I was gonna like, say not like drag race, but like television shows. They want to make sure that you know that it is a man in makeup. Yes, but such a strange. Yeah, yeah. It, it, somebody like yeah. So yeah. Well, I, I was just thinking about Chicago drag queens. Thinking about um, like Lotion and like Auntie Chan and Dairy Queen. Oh. Ooh. Mm, mm. Ooh. Oh, Dairy Queen's new show is so good. Let oh, me tell you, YouTube show out. They go check out Dairy Queen's new YouTube show. Dairy Queen is one of the. Funniest, fucking nicest, like best. I just the truly best performer. They Dairy Queen did. I produced this show in Chicago called Studio Eleven. That was like a weekly variety show, and Dairy Queen did this fucking, um, like 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 priestess like bit to a Madonna song. Uh, like a, I think I think it was like a virgin. Um, I it's just some of the fun. I mean, I watched like straight guy friends of mine who came from college to watch my show truly cracking up and like loving this performance from a drag they'd never seen drag before and it was like you they're just so good she's so good she's so good i'm done I'll stop. so is it auntie chan auntie chan yes yes love her Wait, so you're from springfield i know where you're from because i've asked you a lot but do you know crystal method so i never crystal method was doing shows in chicago at the same or not in chicago in springfield at the same time that i was so I had heard a bunch of them, uh, like I'd heard a bunch about her drag in Springfield, but there wasn't a huge crossover scene like there is in Chicago where we're all doing similar shows like Variety. They were at the Outland Ballroom in Springfield mm-hmm. um, doing their show with uh, some other really great drag queens that are in Springfield, Missouri. Um, my friend my friend Neil Pip is a great drag queen down there. But I di- no, I didn't. We'd never met, but I'm a fan. That show that they would do the... Um done and dusted at the Outland Ballroom. I've talked about that. I, we talked about this when Crystal was on the show, but that was, that's one of like the best gigs I've ever played. Like they cultivated such like a really cool vibe in Springfield. Like they made this like rock and roll club, this like super queer um, party for the night with all these drag queens. I, I'm always just like so impressed when people can, can sort of transform spaces it's the truly punk rock. The truly, I, I really believe that the truly punk rock way to make art is in places like Springfield, Missouri, in in mm-hmm. like in these little like red areas, like Chicago, New York, LA, whatever. There are there are punk ideas, there are punk people, I guess. But the truly like cool, like underground, difficult, like badass, not begging for attention, just like making stuff because you love it, and like the like it, 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 places like that, Kansas City, Springfield, Missouri. Um, Minneapolis, like places that aren't so Chicago, New York, and LA, it's the fucking coolest because it's hard. It's really fucking hard to make stuff there and build a a community. Mm -hmm. I always think like, why don't you move? And then people are like, because this is my home and this is where I'm from and I love this place and I just want to be myself in the place that I'm from and I'm like, oh, that is way braver than being like, I'm going to go where (laughs) everyone is like me. It's so much cooler. And oversaturate the market. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, it's so much cooler, and it's needed too. That's the—I mean, I, the right. the leftist spaces, the queer spaces, the artistic spaces that I was in in Missouri uh, have always been and will always be cooler than anywhere else, only because, uh, or, or at least predominantly because it's like you need it so badly there. You know, mm. you like need to go to a show and see queer people do drag and stand up because the rest of the the city and the place that you're in is like it doesn't feel like home, and those places feel like home. So it's really—it's just cool. So you, Meatball, let's track the moving. So Missouri to Chicago and then from (laughs) Chicago to... Almost went to New York or LA, but then we're back in LA. Okay, okay. But now, When the PND hit, he's here. But you're writing on a... Engaged to Max Dalter. On a TV show. And now he's writing on the TV show Human (laughs) Resources, which is is. a big mouth (laughs) spinoff. Do you just want to say What's it like to and write on an animated talk show? At the same time, uh, it's dope. I I honestly uh, was not a huge like I've never been a huge cartoon person, and mm. 
I was like excited to take the meeting when we were talking about it. And, um, and I was like, ah, maybe I'll get into it. I, I, I hope it'll be fun. But honestly, it's the coolest thing in the world, especially going from Chicago, because I was writing a lot of sketch in Chicago, which has the most limitations of all, right? It's you have to be your physical self on stage um, with the physical limitations of being a person on stage. And then animation, you get to fucking, especially a show like Human Resources or Big Mouth that is so raunchy and stupid and insane. You can really do whatever. Um so it, the the freedom of it and just truly being able to like whatever your mind can come up with as possible was really dope. It was really cool. That's amazing. We had um, our friend Simon on here, who's the director at Bob's Burgers, and like just hearing him talk about the process of oh yeah. like directing for animation based on what the writer said and then the actors record it and then no one is really everyone's just like doing their own thing and then almost a year later the show comes out and you're like oh okay like there's so much process involved in this oh yeah we're still i mean i'm still i just did a a one-off room we wrote we wrote full time for it from uh like june or july of 2020 through december Um, oh wow Whoa. And we're, we're still doing one-off rooms. It won't come out until April of 2022. Um, and we'll wow. start, yeah, this, this summer or fall, we'll start writing the second season. So it, it's a long process. That's wild. That's, that's so insane. I don't know. I think there's something cool to like work on a pro- project like that big and then also be able to like be like, oh, I can scribble down these jokes, go stand in front of, a, you know, a group of people with a mic. So you get like the best of both worlds. Like you don't ha- you get the immediacy of that or even fucking Twitter. Like you can put it out there immediately or you can like work on the thing that like takes a year to cook. Yeah. yeah. We've uh, got uh, it all, you know. We've got it all. Do you think that there is like a comedic, like a trend in comedic language? Like, do you know how when you speak to an activist, they always put the word right at the end of what they're saying to make you agree with what they're saying? Of course, they're fighting for human rights. But they're also saying like, and you understand our system is uh, corrupt, right? And so in order for us to come together as a group, right, we need to uh, uh, really harness the power of the people, right? And it's almost like it's an implied agreement in order to get their point across. And I'm fascinated by that. Do you, are there trends in like young comedians who speak all in a similar way? Who's having that conversation? Like, sir, Let's I have that like, conversation, right? Because I feel like it's I feel like it becomes like a like a um, a conversational meme to spread like certain things around for a while. Does that make sense? For sure, I think absolutely. I think there there's as much of a especially like in a certain like there's as much of a culture in that as there is in like activist groups or you're talking about the same things, you're thinking about the same things. Like that's why, I mean, when something it, to me, all of talking with comedians feels like earthquake, Twitter, earthquake, LA earthquake, Twitter. You know what I'm talking about? When there's an earthquake I know exactly in LA. what you're talking about. It can be five you log on. morning and it'll just be 20 <laughs> tweets in a row. That's an earthquake. Yeah. And all it's everyone trying joke. to get a joke. Yeah, yeah. Everyone trying to, and I remember I used when I lived in Chicago and I would uh, see L.A. earthquake Twitter, I'd be like, that is so fucking silly. And then I came here and experienced an earthquake and I was like, ding, ding, like uh, rushing to my phone, like trying to get a tweet off, you know, and it's like, yeah, you're all it, it's nice to it's it's a sense of community. It, you're you're also trying to comment on the thing because, you know, everyone's thinking about it. So I think there are definitely like certain little uh, words and phrases are like, you know, like I, I think cancel, like things being canceled has been a huge, oh, yeah. like she's canceled. She's problematic. Like saying it ironically has become right. a very funny thing. Um, yeah, for sure. And I think I, also go ahead. No, no, no. You Meatball. Meatball. If you don't go, I'm going to freak the hell out. I think that we were saying cancel her like as a joke for so long. Like it, it, it was in like my, yeah, I was like, drag her. Oh, she's canceled. Fuck that. And then it became a real thing for a minute where people start actually calling it cancel culture. And now it's back to being a joke. Like it was the weirdest experience with cancel. We just, it was, we were like as drag Queens, we were like joking about canceling her. Like, Oh, she's canceled. It's canceled. It was like a gay lexicon thing for a minute. I feel like the gays invented it. And then it became actual pop culture, and I am not for. Well, I feel like what happened is what happens with all funny things, which is that young queer (laughs) leftists, like cool people, are actually being funny about stuff and making like actually edgy jokes about the culture. And then right wing people take it sincerely and think that they're funny, but are like, oh, now I can't say that gay people are going like. It's like right, we were joking, and now you're being earnest, and so you think that you're being censored, but actually, 
we're edgier than you. We were joking about that. <laughs> and now you're complaining that you can't joke about it when we were joking about it. You know what I mean? It's like so stupid. It's yeah. so dumb. That is so wild. Like the, 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 I, okay. I saw a meme. Okay. okay. Oh no. I oh no. I saw oh, no. a meme. No. TikTok corner. Are we going to TikTok corner? No, but the, the, the idea that we as humans are, I, I guess gullible is not the right word, but like, um, just in culture, it's like if you don't jump on the right side of the bandwagon and social media really sort of perpetuates that. And I think I think people who are like too afraid to be edgy or too afraid to like really think about what they actually want to say versus just being like, if I don't retweet something in the next 10 hours, everyone's going to think my my Instagram account is like, you know, the wrong in the wrong. But I saw a meme that was like, uh, remember last summer when you were like, it's my birthday weekend and the whole internet was like, read the room, bro. And that to me is very funny because it did. I think so many people last summer were like, like the power that social media had to bring light to so many things that were going on that were swirling around 2020 was really important. But then people were also like, this is, this is no longer a place I can be silly, stupid or fun. This is like, we are now all important activists. And it was a wake up call for, I think a lot of people who had never thought had any sort of critical thought in their mind about society, but also it is like, a, a fake thing that isn't real that somehow also has so much power. Well, I think also, so I mean, kind of to that point, uh, it, something that we, uh, that I have been observing is that we have a real obsession. I think right now, maybe, maybe forever, but maybe it's not just right now. Maybe it's just cause I'm paying attention to this thing right now, but I think we have a cultural obsession with moralizing track records. Woo! And so we look at, Oh, because, you know, people always talk about, like, what would I have done in the Holocaust? What would I have done in slavery? Like, during slavery, well, look at Bernie Sanders. He was always right. Hillary Clinton flip-flopped on this or that. Look at oh, Jane Fonda. Word. She's always been X. And it's like, great. Good for them. I'm really happy for them. But what it does is that obsession with moralizing people's track records and making making sure making sure that we only idolize people who have always been correct, like Bernie, who we love. Uh, <laughs> obsessing over that, though, is forcing stupid people to make quick judgments. Yeah, And say, like... I want to get in on the right thing and make sure that I have the correct take, but I haven't read Israel Palestine is an incredible example of this where stupid people who know nothing about the issue at all are just like going crazy with the Instagram infographics. And it's like, well, I'm, I'm glad that you want to, I, I'm glad that you have a, a big heart and you want to, you know, be the kind of person who is on the right side of history, so to speak. But you're jumping into conversations that you know nothing about. You are technically ignorant, which is not an insult, by the way. It's a technical thing that you can be. You can be in right. a situation. And so I think it has really convinced dumb people to take quick stances on things. And it's yeah. a problem. Yeah. Without and, any research at all. And right. we also have experienced this um, in some direct criticism and hate from our listenership who think that we need to be careful about the type of people we let. Uh, say their opinions here. on our podcast, which I think is psychotic because we are not a news program and we literally have conversations about whatever on the show. People were mad because <laughs> one of our guests said that the anus can self-lubricate and has 27 different types of mucus that it creates. <laughs> I thought this am was going to be scientist? something so serious. And am I here? To, oh, no, no. This is the shit they get mad about. Am I a scientist? Am I here to say that he's wrong? No. But do I know he's wrong? Yes. Do I care? No. No, this person, This person said it was irresponsible for us to let someone who makes porn and is a sex worker talk about how, um, uh, what was the word? how like emotionally fulfilling it is for some people to look at porn, that that was irresponsible and dangerous. It is emotionally fulfilling for some people to look at porn. Also, who, this is, this is, oh, who cares? What are you talking about? Who cares? Who cares? I'm so tired of people, like people will do this to me all the time where I'll make a joke about something and they'll be like, wow, not something I really want to laugh about right now. And I'm like, right. So I'm not your therapist or your philosopher or your political science teacher. I'm a fucking comedian and I'm begging everyone, stop, no matter if they're right wing, left wing, anything, stop looking to comedians and entertainers to be your like moral guiding lights. Go exactly. talk to your... Exactly. Talk to your parents, your grandparents, go to a church if that does it for you, go to therapy. I don't uh, get involved in whatever you need to get in, but stop looking at literal professional clowns and being like, what did they say about the state of the world? What did you just it's call like, me? You're, you're a clown, bitch. 
<laughs> and please, please know that the world that you walk in is not, you know, it, the, we can't put the bumpers up at the bowling alley. Like, you're going to run into shit that you don't want to hear. You're going to see stuff you don't want to see. Like, that's the reality of being a person in the world. And so you need to do what you need to do to protect yourself. But that's not up to other people who don't maybe know that you have a certain sensitivity about one thing. Big Dipper said, I'm tired of the liberal snowflakes. True. <laughs> no, I went on a whole rant about trigger warnings last week. I was yeah. like, if you need a trigger warning for a car alarm, th- that's going to be on you, girl. You're going to have to, yeah, you're going to have to figure that out. Like, yeah. I, I hate you're to say have it, to but it wear is. Noise canceling headphones at all times. Okay, let's take a break. Now, and when we come back, of trigger warnings, uh, <laughs> how what? do you prepare yourself to see? Drew Barrymore dressed up as an old man. And we'll come to that after this break. We are back. I want to talk before we before we get into the sexy butt sex stuff, I want to talk about your podcast. Um, that you co-host uh, called Keeping Records with Caleb and Shelly. Shelby. Why did Shelby. I say Shelly? Sh- Shelly. Shelby. 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 Do you know Shelby? No. Shelby yeah. Wolstein. So- Shelly, drink your juice. <laughs> drink your juice. No, her name is Shelby. Uh-huh. Yes. Uh-huh. But now it's Shelly because we're changing all of them. Exactly. Oh, so you're explaining humor to me now? Thank you so Big much. Dipper. I'm offended. So your podcast is basically about time capsules. Right. Pretty much, yeah. It's it's it, we think of it as like a, a basically it's just like a a fun way to get into talking about people's favorite and least favorite things and and how they view humanity and what they think is important on Earth. I opened a time Wonderful. capsule recently with my family. Really? It was, was it just a bunch of paper mache? Very disappointing. <laughs> it was like yeah. nothing. Yeah, it like wasn't anything. We buried it in the year two thousand. Y two K diva. It was like a time capsule kit that came from sam's club like it was like it fully like had stickers on it like and like it was a tin can that you would like get popcorn in and it was there was like a newspaper and like something i think i wrote a note that was like if you find this you're cool because i was truly 11 years old or whatever i'm bored sorry you had no point of view that's boring it it was so bad and then I put some like toys in there or something and they had all like melded together, like corroded. And then I believe there was a mixtape. I think I put a mixtape in there. They probably had like sublime songs on it. Or it was something. your very own golden record. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. The podcast so you stuff. You know stuff. The, yeah. The podcast <laughs> is based on the, the Voyager records that NASA sent into space in the seventies. And it's fucking, you know what? It's honestly queer. It's honestly about music. We have a great editor who makes it sound really good. And it's a, it's a fun-ass time, you guys. It's really fun. I suggest everyone go listen to it. I listened to it on a long road trip the other, like two weeks ago. Oh. Listened to a bunch of episodes. It was so fun. Oh, oh. Y'all are so fun. Y'all are so fun. Who did you remember who you listened to? Anyone that stuck out? I listened out? to the Golden uh, Record episode. And then I listened to one... Um, I don't know. Someone like made their favorite playlist. I can't remember any of the songs off of it. And it was not someone I knew. So I was being introduced to new people that I don't remember. You were being so brave. That's so brave of you. Thank you. Big, big Dipper's like, I would never listen. I would never listen to the pod. Big, I love big Dipper's listen. like, I hate gay people. I hate gay no, people. No, I think you've got me all wrong. I think you've got me pegged wrong. I love gay podcasts. P- and I love gay, gay people. people. I love gay people. <laughs> Both of those I love are pegging. True. Okay, so now it's time for our final segment of the show, which is Ooh! called Fuck Talk. Fuck Talk. Now, here's the part where you can tell an uncomfortable or strange sex story that's happened to you. Dipper usually goes first. I normally don't say anything. But if you're uncomfortable <laughs> talking about your personal sex life, we have phone calls uh, from our listeners who tell us their uncomfortable sex stories. And those are sometimes very wild. I will tell you... Um, I had, I had honestly a, a fuck trip recently. I, yes! honey, I got vaccinated and I went to Chicago and Kansas city and saw my family and did, I, I did a little job in Chicago and, Oh, the way I was hooking up, I was having, I was having sex. And, uh, I think I, think I fucked like five people on this trip. <laughs> yes! Wait, yes! I was really, what, I was what really kind going of, for it. What kind of guy do you go for? 
You know, it depends on what mood I'm in. If I, if I'm like, uh, there are some times that I really want to like, I really want to hook up with like a femme kind of tw- like twink vibe. There are some times that I really want to hook up with like, uh, you know, like a masculine, like I'll do a DL straight guy. Sometimes I really will. Um, which is say with do, me toxic and toxic, but, you, but someone has to do it. I do mean, you, like, what are we going to do? do you, Just leave them out in the cold. Do you put on like a little voice for, for the, the DL guys? No, if okay. anything, I put on a little voice for the femme guy. Like <laughs> if anything, I put on a little voice for the, for the femme guys. I mean, I, it, it was a very fun trip. I had a lot of fun, but one of the guys, uh, that I hooked up with in Chicago, um, if he's listening, hey, hey, girl. Um, he gave me the biggest hickey I have had since <gasps> probably Throwback. high school. Oh my god! Huge, massive, dark, and I didn't. I don't. I don't. I, I've never done my own makeup. I have gotten makeup done for work, but I've never done my own. So I did. Had no idea what to do. I had to call. I had to call friends and be like, "Please tell me." I had to run to uh, CVS because I had. I was pitching a TV show. <gasps> That day, about the, the day this, no. the TV show was about the TV show was actually a revenge story about killing someone who gives you a hickey on a big work day. Um, <laughs> I, ironically, so I had to go get makeup and it looked horrible. I did a horrible job, so I had to like I was wearing a collared shirt and I was basically wearing the collar like up to my ears, being like I'm just yes. chilling, you know, like trying to look casual. <laughs> and it was tragic. Oh, that reminds me of a story when I was in college and I was hooking up with the student director of this play um, only to get the lead. And ah! I did. And I did. I jail, did. Jail, 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 jail. couch. Come on, mama. Jail, uh, then prison. Please. Jail, then prison. Uh, well, it was a student director. Everyone calm down. The, okay. the, state, the theater was right. 100 seats. You're right. So I... Um, was like hooking up with him and he was trying to be very serious but i was also in college and i was like you i wanted to fuck everybody so this guy gave me this huge hickey and then i had to go to rehearsal and like he was like what's that and everyone started pointing at it and like talking about it and i was like i got hit in the neck with a baseball bat i was just walking down the street in new york someone hit me in the neck like i couldn't think of anything fast enough because i'm a terrible liar and i was like i got hit and then i had to just like pretend like it hurt and was a bruise for the until the show was over but i think he knew honestly everybody knew wait what the guy that gave you the hickey asked you what it was no the guy who gave me the hickey was just some random guy that i had hooked up with off of an app Uh, and the director of the show who i was like seeing asked me what it was wait okay babe i thought that you were telling me that the director gave you a hickey and then that same director at rehearsal was like like nagging you in front of everybody and i was like no that's so hot Oh my god! If you if you give me no, a hickey and then in front of a room full of people, did it. You, you did this, did bitch. It, you it was know. you. That's so like, hot. That's how I got the role, bitches. Learn that's hot. God, that's oh hot. God. Well, hot anyway. I mean, happy for you. I don't know thank that you, I've you. ever gotten a hickey. Good for you, babe. I think I've tried you need to one. Give, I think I've tried to give someone a hickey, and they were like, "Stop! I don't want that." It takes a little <laughs> too long. They're, yeah, they were like, yeah. "Quit it now." Yeah, but that idea of, like, marking someone is, like, very wild. Too, like, Nexium for me. I'm prone to hickeys because I love, I mean, my favorite hookups are, like, I, I love to make out for, like, 50 minutes. I mean, I really love to make Five, out for zero. a long time. You're a foreplay queen. I love foreplay. And then it, the fucking can go as long as we, I mean, the fucking can go however long. I'm, like, whatever with that. But the the foreplay to me is the best part. Well, that reminds me of, like, our conversation about, like, language. Like, it, to me, a very 90s sitcom, like, language is sucking face. Like, Ooh. I feel like teenagers <laughs> used to say that all the time. Literally, like, it oh, stops for a reason. Face. But that, that'll be awesome. French kissing. They stop saying that. French kissing. making out. Necking. Necking is disgusting. Necking. But throwing neck is hilarious. Like, like <laughs> wait, what did you just say? <laughs> Throwing, throwing neck. neck. Who says throwing neck? Honey, it's like everyone's saying dick. it. Everyone's everyone saying said it. it. Everyone Where were you? It. Not throwing neck. I wasn't out here throwing necks. Now you are to old men and old men only. Old men and old men only. Yeah, are you I, only sucking off old men? No, not yes. only. Fifty and up. Fifty and up, baby. I do. What do you mean, not only? I do prefer it. Um. Nothing recently, though. I'm trying to think. I haven't had a good definition make- of daddy issues. I haven't had a good 
makeout <laughs> session in a really long time. I feel like I always want to get to the next step. That's actually very refreshing to hear you say, like, you just want to be making out. Enjoy it. Yeah, you- I, I try to st- go yeah. ahead. No, you go. I try to stop myself because I feel the same thing. I am like. I am like, I will be on a date and be ha- we'll be having a perfectly nice conversation. And I'll be like, I wonder where, if we're going to go back to my place. And then we, and if we do, I'm like, I wonder how long we are, uh, how, uh, yeah. I'm always like, what, what's the next day I'm what's trying next? to, which is, a, which is not just about sex, by the way. I'm not like that about life. And I'm really, really trying hard to be like, stop and just enjoy what's going on. You know yeah. what I mean? It's very LA to try to be in the moment. It's getting in the moment. To you. And it's Ugh, getting to LA. you. I can't believe I'm going to have personal growth in LA. Okay, but here's a question. Because you, on your trip to Chicago and Kansas City, you did Mm. on your fuck trip, are you having the same amount of fucking in LA? No, I don't. I can't get a date in LA. If if you put a fucking gun to my head and said, get a date in LA today, guess what, bitch? Rest in peace to Caleb. He's dead. Because (laughs) I cannot in LA. I, I, I don't get it. I'm fucking hilarious. I'm hot. I'm literally so smart. I don't like, but in the Midwest, I'm, I'm bitch. I like literally in the Midwest, I am fucking. And in LA, I am literally sitting around talking to my friends. (laughs) I don't, I'm not getting dates out here. I don't know what maybe I've been telling myself it's because of the pandemic and I will be sticking to that for at least two more months. Sure. And then I think I'm going to have to start taking it personally, which I don't want to do. It's wild out here. I feel like everyone is like flaky and weird. Yeah. I, yeah. Or, or are you even, on the apps or how are you trying to date? What's happening? Yeah, babe. I'm on the apps. I'm, <laughs> yeah, babe. I'm, yeah, babe. babe. I'm on the apps. I'm do you, flirting how do with. You, how do you feel about chasers? We were having this conversation like two weeks ago. You know, <laughs> sometimes. It it really depends. Sometimes I think it is one of the most disgusting and uncalled for. By the way, I'm pro king shaming. I think it is. Sometimes I think it's so. I yeah. I think if you I, not necessarily shaming, I don't want anyone to go to jail for what they want to do. But if you want to fuck my feet, I have the right to go. Mm. You know, I I have the right to go. Ugh. I get to do that because I'm me. Yeah, of course, um, make a small sound and slightly yeah. turn your your eyebrow yeah, I, up. That's it. If you say that you, you want to fuck right. my feet or like fuck my tits or whatever, I get to go. Ugh. You, I yeah. get to do that. <laughs> um, so I sometimes I'm into it though. Sometimes uh, somebody who is very into um, fat guys, I will be like, sure, let's do it. But honestly, most of the time, I just think it's it. it, it honestly, I'm not. I've got okay. This is my final take on it because I think this is where I find. Okay, everyone, find a take, bitch. Like, quit t- rambling and find a take. Final take. <laughs> my thing with chubby chasers is that I have gotten more comfortable uh, hooking up with them as I have actually started to love myself. Could never have done it in like college, but now that I actually believe I'm hot, I'm like, actually, it's weird that more people aren't obsessed with me. Wait, so that's where it is that is totally it because if you are if you're able to say well of course you would be obsessed with me of course this is hot of course you know and not saying i have this personal shame it's weird that you think this is hot yeah yeah the script it's not weird it's not weird more people should be more people should be i think that it's a there hardly any people exist in the middle when it comes to fat bodies people are either like you know, uh, like uh, in an alley jerking off to the idea of fat rolls and it's like like chubby chaser, like like obsession. Oh, so or, you saw Meatball this weekend? Yeah, I saw Meatball this weekend you and it was a lot of fun. Alley. That's my spot. <laughs> That's your, I, babe, I'm sorry, I'm on your turf. No. Um, or they're, yeah, or they're fat phobic and disgusting, like, you yeah. know, fitness gays. And so I would love to meet someone in the middle, but for now, why not, why not allow the overcorrection? Well, here's my final take and uh, it's because I'm always keeping score. There's something that I just always love when like a um someone you would assume is a fat phobic fitness gay, like 12 pack, zero muscle, you oh, know, yeah. like like oh, when yeah. all they want is a fat person and like like when the ultimate chaser is just looks like the most stereotypical version of like hot fit oh, yeah. muscle guy. Fucking I always feel me. like we won. <laughs> We did it, Joe! Like we, we it's, did it's, it, it's, Joe. We did it, Joe! 
We it's, won. It's a point for us. You know what I mean? That's how I always feel. They're like, and I'm going to have the salad, but you could have the steak and shrimp. You can do whatever right. you want, Chavo. I will never mm. not think that's one for our side when I see that that pairing. It's a win for the, it's a win for the fat and gay community. Anytime someone is into me, period. Like right, right. even if I'm not, <laughs> even if it's I'm not into the them culture. back. Yeah, even if they're like completely repulsive to me, I'm like that's still a win for the community. We have to take it where we can get it. <laughs> I love that. Well, listen, thank you so much, Caleb, for being on the show. We had a wonderful time chatting with this you. This was so fun. Thank you guys for having me. Where Why can- don't you tell everybody where they can find you? You guys, you can find me on the streets of LA. Where? Come out here, come out here, see me stomping around. Um, or you can, you know, you can find me online. Caleb says things everywhere. I dare you. Ooh, double right. dog dare. I dare you. Well, thank you so much for listening to Sloppy Seconds. You can follow us on Instagram at Sloppy Pod. You can send us an email to sloppysecondspod at gmail.com. Or you can call in with your fuck talk story to 213-536-9180. Or you can follow us on Instagram at Big Dipper Jelly and Spiciest Meatball or Fat Drag Meatball on Twitter. And don't forget to subscribe so you don't ever miss an episode, which come out every Tuesday and Friday. Goodbye. Bye. Doodle-doo-doo. Forever. Dog. To listen to Sloppy Seconds ad-free and one day early, sign up for Forever Dog Plus at foreverdogpodcast.com slash plus. Sloppy Seconds is produced by Forever Dog and Moguls of Media, a.k.a. Mom. Hosted by Big Dipper and Meatball. Music, editing, and sound design by William Pitt. Executive produced by Willem Belli, Alaska Thunderfuck, Joe Cilio, Brett Boehm, and Alex Ramsey. Our artwork was drawn by Christian Cimarroni. And our theme song was written by Mike Malarkey.